0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever this podcast may find you. It is I, your host, Gavin. And I, Justin. As we have a semi truck passing the apartment.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: But yeah, um, I'm saying um a lot in the podcast. Yes, you are. I I don't like that. Gotta change that. Get your vocabulary on point, son. (laughs) Words is
1: tough. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyways. That's why you just do what I do and just say something, and about 60% of the time it works. Then you're not saying um, but at least you tried. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh here's your participating trophy thank you anyways uh we're recording this on a monday mm-hmm. to be released on tuesday morning and we have some catching up to do uh i have some cars that i haven't necessarily had a word vomit about i'm about to uh create a word vomit on my instagram Kevin likes word vomiting It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I do it after I do word drinking. Like now. As I'm reaching for my full percent beer. This is the first first podcast that we've had full percent beer in Utah. I know, right? Crazy. But, yeah. So, I guess what we'll be covering is Cayman S, Mm -hmm. 981 Cayman S, the last of the six cylinders, the NA six cylinders Mm -hmm. for the non-GT models. And... uh, there's uh, Polaris slingshot in yep. there. And was there a third? I know there was. I love how we've conveniently both forgotten about this. <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be like my secondary like memory backup? Supposed to be. Aren't you supposed to be mine? <laughs> oh, fuck.
1: <laughs> this sounds like a flawed system. <laughs> um,
0: oh... See, I'm starting to drink, so that's at least my excuse. What's yours? Uh, retardation. I, w- I would say mental exhaustion is that, a, a legitimate th- Yeah, that, that would be a legitimate because one. Because you work a lot harder than I do. Uh,
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I can't remember if we were going to mention – oh, uh, oh. You, I think you were gonna quickly, briefly mention Veloster N because it just got Road and Track Car of the Year.
0: Uh, it did. Uh, their performance car of the year. Mm-hmm. Because that was. Let's see if I can remember all their the cars on the list. There was C8 Vette, mm-hmm. nine nine two nine eleven, Avora GT, uh-huh, uh, M2, Comp, probably. I would hope it'd be, it be ha- it would have to be the Comp. What else was on there? Supra. Um, that's, that, some, that's a legitimate, um, cause now, but I don't that's, know.
1: that's some heavy hitters
0: though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- there, I'm, I'm were, sure that tickles your Porsche
1: pickle that a Hyundai in <laughs> their minds beat out a Porsche as performance car of the year.
0: As someone who has driven the Veloster N, that was a well-deserved trophy for that car. Yeah. I think they fought for that car. Uh, like they fought well and hard as in they built a really fucking good car. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put this down and I'm going to see who got performance car of the year. Go ahead. And
1: I'm actually going to look up speaking that you mentioned that another one that got car of the year was also, I was mentioning to Gavin surprisingly enough,
0: not the same publication,
1: not the same publication. This is motor trend is what it was. It wasn't car driver. Um, motor trend got the G70 car of the year. This is just so crazy in the world that we live in that in two different pu- major publications, Two Korean cars have gotten Car of the Year,
0: and what for a performance car of the year? It's yeah. not like a Kia Forte or it's something. not like you know Econo Box of the Year. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot about the Purple Monte. Oh, gee. <laughs> yeah, how could you forget about that? And the 600 LT. There's a GTR in there, which whatever.
1: I mean, at this point, it's so it's so you're old. It's kind of sad.
0: Oh, and uh, the ND2 Miata. So the one with the new the higher new. revving motor. Yeah. Oh, that's actually another car I wanted to talk about. Uh, Sasha's, oh, yes. Sasha's Miata. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, fuck. Like, where should I start? At the beginning. At the beginning?
1: At the Genesis. Oh, sorry, I had to make the joke <laughs> considering we were just talking about Genesis.
0: <laughs> well done. Thank well done. you. I don't even want to make eye contact with you, but well done. Thank
1: you. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess you could just start at the first one what was you first, mentioned. What, what happened what, first? 918 that... is what you're mentioning.
0: God, I wish the 918. No, sorry, not
1: 918. God, wouldn't that be 981.
0: <laughs> Damn you, Porsche, and all your nines and shit. Hey, we just got need to make buddy-buddy with some hypercar owners. Yeah. And uh, make that happen. Yeah. Anyways, uh, 981 came in S, so... The initial idea for driving this car on the, in the circumstances that I chose to drive it on was for an article with Cam Auto Mag I had found. I just wanted to see what performance cars were kind of available in the area for the time period that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. And I came across, I think it was a 2014. I believe it was a 2014. A 981 generation Cayman S. Uh, it had the PDK, which is amazing as we all know and uh it came with the sport chrono package and with the sport chrono package you do get like a little uh lap time uh timer like a like a physical clock you actually get a little stopwatch on the top of the dashboard in the middle of the car um but with that there's also you get slightly more power i believe that car is around 320 horse from the factory um, It revs to I don't know Like 7800 RPM Sounds amazing Like basically north of 5500 5500 to redline Is just All amazing And that's because It has the 911 motor in it It's actually not even A proprietary Boxster Cayman motor So that's really nice um, And so the The circumstances In which I chose To drive this on Was for A cruise With the Park City Car Club on this cruise it's actually not even a cruise we call it we call these kind of things grand tours because it's not necessarily just a thing of you show up at a cars and coffee location or a coffee shop and then you go for a drive and you make it back by lunch yeah this is a bit more than that i actually drove up uh so it, it started in logan right it started in logan on a saturday morning we're back! Hey, yeah, so funny thing, uh, my uh, 16 gig uh, SD card that goes in the sound recorder decided it wanted to, to fill itself, also coming from my neglect of emptying the SD card. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. So anyways, we start back in Logan, where the Park City Car Club had our uh, Northern Grand Tour. Uh, back in twenty seven or sorry, 2018, we had the Southern Grand Tour in the springtime. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we can. And I can't remember if I've said this on air before, but w- what would be nice is next season we have a spring Southern Grand Tour and then a fall Northern Grand Tour through the leaves. Uh, this Northern Grand Tour we did, we actually didn't do the entire route because I didn't really feel like driving with the group of 15 people through East Canyon in the snow. Huh. In a mid-engine sports car, really, with a lot of the fun shit being downhill, in a mid-engine sports car, sounds like a recipe for success. If your if your success is working for an insurance company, then yes, <laughs> my
1: definition of success in that case is yeet, yeet. <laughs> you would all be it would be fifteen cars in succession yeeting off a cliff.
0: That would be a great fly in the wall moment of just seeing car after car just yeet. Yee, yee, yee. just like around hairpin i just
1: got this like this image of you know some southern guy just talking, oh lord jesus and all these cars lord jesus just, is a fire just all coming to the end of this curve and going off.
0: well have you seen the i can't remember what sim it is but there is a racing sim where they took uh reliant robins and they yes. race them around monza uh-huh. and just the first chicane just like all of them just fucking just you know, um, I believe
1: other. it first appeared in actually Forza Horizon Two. There is a, um, there's a Reliant series. <laughs> it's, it's spec Reliant. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> where that's all you can do is have Reliance. Well, yeah, it's, it's a spec series at that point. And
0: all they do is gotta go, that's really fucking funny. Yeah. Um, but anyways, <laughs> back from that little tangent. Uh, yeah. So where where was I? I was talking about Logan Canyon, and then Did- how we changed the route.
1: Or you changed the route.
0: Yeah, so what we ended up doing is we, is we spat out Monte Cristo uh, into Huntsville. Uh, mm-hmm. And we ate at the one restaurant that's named after a person. Chris, Chris's. Chris's. Yeah, uh, it's a good spot. Uh, but anyways, back to the car, though, because this whole discussion was supposed to be about the car and not yeah. the trip. Because I already talked about the trip. Uh, the plus sides, I mean, fantastic linear power. It sounds great. The trans is amazing. Yeah. I don't even really feel like I'm losing that much. Like I'm not losing out on much being in a PDK as opposed to a six-speed. A six-speed would be nice for some things, but PDK is just too perfect in my eyes uh, as just a driver's trans. Yeah, it's— Because it's... on that version, actually— It's not like you had Porsche's weird inverted. I think that's also a thing that comes with Sport Chrono. Yeah. Because the Sport Chrono, or I'm sorry, the base came in of that same year. It had these weird inverted buttons. And I know I sometimes say that Porsche can do no wrong. I I will see to it. Wow. It's not a thousand percent true. There's a couple things that they haven't done super great. Well, good because that would also be mathematically incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> so, back in 2014, and I believe it has it has changed at some point. I can't remember what the cutoff date was, but there's a button, and it, this is all one assembly that's on the top two steering wheel stocks. Okay, yeah. so you, with your thumb, you push the button away from you. I believe that was the downshift. Yeah, and you pull that same button assembly on the backside to upshift. So that um, It's kind of like the, the theory of, you know, with modern race cars or the sequential boxes, you pull to upshift and you push to downshift. It's that, but in a paddle button assembly, it never I, – I drove it with Everyday Driver, and it didn't make a fucking bit of sense to me for four days or three days.
1: So um, BMW did that exact same thing for years with, um, for instance, Matt's 2006 6 Series does that exact same thing. Oh, really? You push back on the paddles like this
0: to downshift and pull them to upshift either one. The BMW's version makes more sense though, because this is actually like a part of the steering wheel stock. Like like the spokes on the steering wheel. Yeah. That this happens.
1: Whereas the BMW ones are on the wheel. Exactly. It's yeah. behind the wheel. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's it's its own thing away from the wheel. Mhm. Uh yeah, but a uh, Sport Chrono does not have that.
1: It has the regular
0: paddles. It has regular, you know, Up right is right. Per- left for down yeah and what was actually really really cool though what i did like uh i think raymond's car had this as well you know on the steering wheel how it's like clear or like that black bit yeah uh, and on the left there was the sport and the sport plus lights Mm-hmm. that this had that as well is so every gt car comes factory with sport chrono yeah uh and then when you get sport chrono on other more pedestrian <laughs> porsches is where it becomes an actual option. And this had that. So that was yeah, a lot more uh, concise and uh, cohesive in its packaging. But, um, I mean, I'm trying to think of the downsides, really. If you are a straight line person, it won't amaze you. It's a, it's obvious, it's
1: a very linear car. It's not a... It's made for corners. Yeah, it's not shove you in your seat crazy, you know, turbo, super, anything. Sure, sure. Um... But I think that's just a general. I mean, even the GTs are that way. They're fuck. They're fast as fuck. But even like Raymond's GT3, except for the launch, you're like, oh, it's just kind of moving along, and then you look at the speedo, you're like, oh shit.
0: Right. I mean, but the sounds are amazing. Yes. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's super smooth and linear. It will get definitely get you there, um, but it's not a car I'd want to have in Texas. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see what. I. But I will. What I will say is, this was probably of cars of current value, if we're talking about 2019 values Uh for what I expect out of a car and what I enjoy out of a car for something that was South of 50 grand. Yeah. I don't really know what would have been that much better as an experience because it didn't beat me up on the freeway. It has seven fucking gears. Yeah. Like when, when you're cruising on, the freeway doing 80, you're doing just north of a 1,000 RPM, and you're just chilling. Uh I, What I will say was the infotainment is still from 2014. It feels old. Porsche finally has
1: updated their infotainment because they use that same system in all the 911s, in the Caymans, in the Boxers. Well,
0: for 991.2 is when they came out with CarPlay, which was 2016? Yep. For the 2017 model year? Yeah, and
1: I believe that same design of head unit had roots back even before 2014. It had been around for
0: a minute. Oh, it'd been around since 997. Seven, yep. Yeah, it, and, it uh, originated in 997, so it really did feel like a, oh, jeez, yeah, like a 15 year old car. Mm hmm. Almost 15 year old car.
1: And it had just been kind of bootlegged along the way and updated a little bit.
0: Right. I, but that's just in. Uh, the unit that's on the dash yeah. itself when, when you're looking in the gauge cluster you have in the middle it's your tack because it's a porsche yep and then to your left is your speed but to the right is a blank display yep that's the same size and shape as a gauge and you can cycle through uh your turn by turn navigation you can put your radio on there uh your all of your vehicle temperatures performance related things your g meter uh, when you want to start your sport chrono, when you want to sport your lap timer for your chronograph, yep, you uh, go through there. Uh, it's I quite enjoy toggling through uh, that and kind of just seeing where things were at. I did have some tire pressure issues. Uh, it was partially with the time of year because it's it a was, cold
1: weekend, and it was right as it started the trip. But it was
0: warm here, though. That's the thing. It was warm here, and then we went up to Logan, and then things dropped, and mm-hmm. then I tried putting air in Logan. And then I got weird different tire warning lights on the other side of Logan Canyon when we were at Bear Lake. Yeah. And I was just kind of bat, like <laughs> battling, battling through uh, tire pressures all day. And I mean the temperatures, I mean, now it's not as cold. It felt really fucking cold when it was happening because it was the first of the year. Yeah. But it was like, you know, 24 degrees. Driving a canyon with 24 degrees and, you know, Pirelli tires. Or no, they, they might have been Michelins, actually.
1: Either way, you're pretty well set. Yeah, right?
0: they were summer tires, summer performance tires. Uh, they weren't super happy, and we were driving through some sleet, which was less than ideal. But as far as a detriment to the car, though, um, but, well, okay, so yeah, the thing is, I chose that car for a reason. What I could have done with my Turo money is just gone and tried to find a car that I would be looking at buying, possibly like a Mark Six. uh TDI sport wagon yeah which they're On there and they're cheap yeah Um you know I would have had some Negatives to say about that because It'd be a stock car not the Karma cars um and hell there's Even a same generation same year Uh Forster on uh on Turo that's Here locally but is a an XT, and that Would have been something interesting To pick apart as well and kind of Live with and see what that's like See what I'm missing out on yeah Yeah <laughs> But, no, I chose this car for a reason. Because it, it was fantastic on the freeway. Um, I didn't know that I could actually Bluetooth my music on until I returned the car. Yep. And the owner finally showed me how to do it. it was like, oh, well, you know, I already just went for this 350 miles. It was fine. I listened to some radio. Uh, the car sounds great. So, like, I was listening to engine most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as, uh, as playing media is concerned... It, wasn't ideal but that was just my own situation um seating position was great fuel economy wasn't bad it drove great in the corners and would blast on straights and it was it was just a fucking ball so uh rather than taking out too much time on that uh, how long have you been recording actually for the second take of this episode for this second take
1: we have been going for 11 minutes
0: okay so that's we could fucking cut this short if we really wanted to. Or I could briefly summarize the other cars.
1: I mean, we already talked a decent amount about the, the slingshot. slingshot.
0: I did, however, recently drive uh, a 2017, 2016? I think it was 2016, uh, Miata mm-hmm. that's owned by my buddy Sasha. Uh, he actually came from Belarus back in 2004, mm-hmm. and I was his first friend here in the States. So yeah. we've known each other a long, long time. Uh awesome awesome dude shout out to sasha lucianovic and uh yeah so he has this miata he's actually looking to sell his accord and this will be his only his daily which would be interesting it's that uh really pretty uh slate gray it's my second favorite color on the miata yeah uh it's almost like chalk but a little colder in temperature a little bit uh Yeah, a little, little whiter, a little colder in temperature, but similar to chalk mm -hmm. on Porsches. I don't want to keep on saying Nardo Gray because everyone calls everything Nardo Gray. I know. Well, it kind of isn't.
1: (laughs) That's kind of the stereotype that got happening because they were kind of one of the first forerunners to really.
0: And actually, can you explain the significance of Nardo Gray? Because I have never really, it's never clicked with me.
1: And I don't even know the significance. I'm actually going to pull it up right now just to see if I can find
0: anything real quick. Um, While you do that, I'll, I'll talk about Sasha's Miata. Yeah, go um, ahead. So the the package that he bought, he bought his use for a reasonable price. Uh, actually, Sasha actually has a, a knack for finding cars and uh, parts, car parts for at a very reasonable price. And like quality <clears> items <throat> for prices you wouldn't really believe. Uh, he actually has... Oh fuck! What even is it? He he ripped the Bilsteins out because it came with Bilstein suspension, and because uh, it wasn't like the Club Sport or whatever, like the the Grand Touring, yeah, where uh, they had like really soft and leany suspension. And his actually came with Brembos because uh, there was that package. So he, he, he still has the Brembos, but he ripped out the coil or the the Bilsteins for a set of adjustable coilovers. And what's funny is he actually has these knobs. When you open up the trunk, you have to open up the trunk to adjust the rears. Yeah. And he has the knobs that are like in the trunk. It's kind of funny. Um, But we went for a blast. I, I'm going to say that's probably going to be my last blast through East Canyon of the year. Because it's just going to be kind of shit from here on out. But, uh, yeah, we did a drive after work. And he drove for a little bit, and then I had to go. And he just has some of cheaper uh i think they're Ankangs actually for tires yeah and then upgraded pads i believe upgraded fluid it must be because he's tracked the car and then these tires his shift linkage is the same here's a different knob oh he and he has some aftermarket exhaust that sounds the business it really is more exhaust than induction noise but when you uh, when you put the top down, yeah, you can actually still hear it. Nice, like out the back, and you f- you hear it behind you. Okay, it's so... just a really pleasant note and a pleasant sound. Uh, but yeah, driving that car really igni- reignited the feeling of like, oh god, these new Miatas really are good. Uh, but his is actually the most dialed version that I've had or that I've driven because I've driven Donnie's. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Donovan Colton. And I drove one of the brand – like, the new ones when the ND was fresh off, uh, working with Everyday Driver. Uh, it wasn't a press car, actually, but it had fewer miles than some of the press cars that were out there. It was a private-owner car. He had just gotten it. Yeah. It was, so like, 700 miles on the car. So it was real fresh. It was super squeaky clean. This was in, like, what, September of 2015? And uh, – yeah this is the best uh nd miata i've ever driven and probably one of the best miatas i've ever driven if i'm honest because all the miatas i've driven are still you know four cylinders yep um i haven't driven the new higher revving motor Uh, i'm gonna aim to do that probably next year maybe before we start our season just kind of get some background on that ideally i'd like to drive one back-to-back with another ND, with, like, a pre, like, the older, like, the ND1, and see what that's all about. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, that was just a fantastic experience. You you can still feel the rear end. For, for someone who hasn't driven a Miata, it's harder to explain because it still retains a bunch of its Miata-ness about it. Yeah. But the rear end never wanted to, like... Of course, if you wanted to put your foot down in a corner, it would step out. But a lot of the time, it wasn't just a stepping out of the rear end so much, but there was a communication of, oh, I know exactly what the rear end is doing. And that's a feeling that is hard to get on a lot of modern cars now, especially when the ones that you and I have been driving have been either front wheel or all wheel drive. Yeah. And it's even weirder when they are rear wheel drive, but the engine's back there weighing it down like it's a different experience than that yeah um but yeah i mean shifter was fantastic engine revs just is is super it it, it was basically perfect for how quick you want it to rev um what is nice about those cars though is you can leave traction control on all you want but it will still allow you time like some room to play with corners in in terms of uh sliding and rotation it's pretty great. You, you should drive that car. You, I think you'd like it.
1: I still have yet to drive a Miata. I, I
0: know. I think you should drive Sasha's because it'll ruin all other Miatas for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, little
1: interesting ditty on this. From what I found, on Nardo. Mm-hmm. There's effectively two theories um, accepted as to like where it came from. Um, they're mainly just to do with more of the heritage or like why Audi chose to call it that. But basically, the color. Nar- like- Nardo as in the racetrack. Mm-hmm. Nardo was in the racetrack was one. The other one was... Um, the first Nardo car was the S3. It wasn't the RS7 or anything like that. It was a color initially on the S3, and then the RS7 debuted in that color, which is what made it famous.
0: Okay.
1: Because um, at that point, it was a it was Audi's version of a custom
0: color, kind of like Porsche's... Paint the sample. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um... I didn't know if they had any, like, you know, lineage in, because ra- I've never heard of, like, any old rally. They,
1: that's what the second thing is, is that most of the works cars from the Group B period oh. were in a gray very similar to that. Or, like, the gray bits on the car were very similar oh, to that Okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. they weren't solid gray. They were white, gray, black, and red. Mm-hmm. And so that's the second one that that's where people think they got the tone from was from those Group B cars, and then the name from the racetrack, and put them together. And
0: okay.
1: That that's the theory. Nobody's. That's just a theory on a Reddit, on two Reddit boards that I read through that people have kind of pieced together. Which I mean, it's
0: probably it's, a it's speculation. There's probably uh, some hints of truth in that. I I, I would, wouldn't take it as you know the it, gospel. No, that's why I was reading through a couple of
1: them. I I think it's probably. I bet you the tone probably did come from those earlier Audis.
0: Like, probably did. I'm sure some some rich guy, yep, who was buying like an RS, not the RS7, but like that S3 or something. They were uh, they were they got creative and they're like, hey, like let's get the car in like this color. Or something. I want this exact color, and the Audi's probably like, oh shit, well, shit, dude, that works. Like, god, that looks actually kind of good. And now everyone is basically cl- uh, clear coat priming in their cars. Yeah. Every- <laughs> Kind of, yeah. I used to like Nardo more, and now it's starting to fade. I, I like Chalk more because well, I don't think char- Chalk is as overplayed, yeah. for lack of a better term. And there's a pretty
1: broad spectrum at this point because they, you know, different manufacturers have shaded it out a little bit. And then even after that point, we now have the cars that are straight flat paint versus Nardo, which is still shiny. Right. Yeah, which came even further after that. So I think, like, when the S3 came out, just before the RS7 came out, yeah. that's when, like, it really started, and then everybody just started playing off that and went boom. Because mm-hmm. it was really what they were saying is the first car they can really see that made waves with it was the RS7, which I which I agree
0: with. Well, because it's – I mean, it's not a halo car necessarily, but it, it was – It was a pretty groundbreaking car. It was groundbreaking for sure. I mean, because the halo car obviously is the R8. Yeah, but um, I mean, in some way, in some ways, the RS7 is faster. <laughs> it is, and and infinitely more usable. Yeah, you know, you know, I mean, it's that whole thing that people keep beating their dick off about the RS6 Avant. Currently stroking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Maintain eye contact. <laughs> Hi, Gavin. Mm. Uh, I'm a wagon queer, and I know it. I mean, so am I. I love them. I just prefer the V10s yeah because the theater of having a twin turbo V10 because why the fuck not oh yeah oh I agree I'm not out and
1: up performance it's amazing but I'm not like as far as theater I'm not the biggest fan of the 4.0 T because it, it is just a bombshell of a motor but it's not like crazy it as just far is as fast yeah it's just it's it, uh... all it is is fast
0: yeah it's just nuts fast There isn't really a sound to it. Because, I mean, as you said before, it's two GTI motors put together Um, effectively. Yeah, it uses, um,
1: you know, and this one's not like the older days when it literally was two reversed heads. But these ones are, um, they work almost identical to the two-liter motors. The, you know, the heads are very similar and just reworked. And um, it has the same kind of chain drive design, the same... Um, the, the newer Audi motors don't even have, like, bearing caps on top, of the, on top of the camshafts. That valve cover is... The cover. Is where the cams ride. Yeah. And it's the same with all of those. And, but, yeah. And I think most of it for me is simply because it's to that point where it's such a fucking good motor that it doesn't have any crazy pops or bangs. Cause they just, they don't really overrun. They don't really. I mean, you can make them do that. You can make them if you tune them in, but like from factory, there's no real
0: crazy. They're just. It lacks that theater for mm-hmm. sure. When I had one for a day, yeah, um, I was trying to kind of make it do that. And it was, it, was, it, just it was tough. It's so,
1: it's just so well refined because that's supposed to be the dual nature of the car, right? Sure. And the Jekyll and Hyde. Mm-hmm. Which I think the RS7 definitely plays it off, but I wish it had a little more Hyde. Give me some more hide. Yeah. I know. But anyways, yeah, like, that's apparently the theories of
0: where Nardo came Interesting. from. Interesting. This... Yeah. Interesting. So. The more you know. We didn't even go into this episode expecting that. No. I just decided, you know what? I, I'm curious where the fuck that came from. Sure. Um, I think that's actually a pretty good note to end on, I yeah. would think. Uh, happy Tuesday, everybody. And uh, if you have any track daily crushes, if you have any car debates... You want to get to us? Or we're not, What are we calling that new segment now? Not Fantasy Friday. Dreamy Friday. Dreamy Friday. Fantasy Friday is a little, uh, I don't know. Eh, sounds overplayed even if it's not. It sounds a little played out. So Dreamy Friday because daydreaming at work exactly. on a Friday. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if you have any of those, uh, please feel free to submit them. Uh, Mailbag.eos at gmail.com. Slide into our DMs. Hit us up on Facebook if you know us. Because chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know us. But, uh, yeah, until next time, I've been Gavin. I've been Justin. And this has been the Expedition to Speed podcast.